Thank you for tuning in to The Rate Stuff. I'm your host, Lisa Rate, former cabinet minister in Stephen Harper's government from 2008 to 2015. I'm here now at CIBC Capital Markets, and in this podcast, I'm going to share insights on current hot topics in the areas of public policy, politics, and business with some guests along the way. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Rate Stuff. I hope you all had a great holiday and you got some rest over the break. Today, I have a very interesting guest for me. It's somebody that I have long wanted to question at length and not have him be able to squirm away from anywhere. And his name is Navdeep Baines. Now, Navdeep was a longtime Mississauga member of parliament. Most recently, he was the Minister of Innovation, Science and Economic development in the Trudeau government from 2015, actually, until 2021. And today, he is my partner at CIBC. He's a vice chair at Global Investment Banking. And I'm actually very delighted to welcome him here formally today to The Right Stuff. Thanks for joining me, Nav. Delighted to be on. Uh, Very excited about our conversation today. And are you a little nervous that I now can ask you more questions that you don't give 30-second answers to, like in question period? I am a bit nervous, absolutely. Uh, you're no doubt about it. This is a very different <laughs> format. <laughs> oh, it's so true. So why don't you tell us, um, why CIBC? Why did you join CIBC? Um, great platform. And I say that because for me, as the Minister of Innovation, Science, and Industry, I worked very closely with businesses, helping them scale and grow. And I was very proud of the work we had done to build a tech ecosystem in Canada. And so... I'm motivated by that. It's something that's part of my DNA as a a young kid watching my father, who was an entrepreneur, who owned and operated his own business. I'm just very excited to see uh, individuals succeed, especially in business, because it creates so many opportunities. And the bank uh, was just an amazing place where, especially CIBC in particular, with uh, innovation banking and in the capital markets, they're really committed to supporting the tech ecosystem in Canada. And so I wanted to be part of that journey post-politics. Yeah. And of course, um, President and CEO Victor Dodig is, you know, cutting edge when it comes to both management and in his desire to ensure that we're part of the innovation economy. Yeah, he's very much focused on the new economy. You're absolutely right. And if you look at the Canadian landscape, when I was minister, we invested a lot in lifelong learning. We focused a lot on talent and leveraged our immigration policies in a very thoughtful way. And because of that, uh, we're seeing a lot of capital now, a record VC financing over $15 billion last year. And that means more unicorns, more companies that are what we define as billion dollar valuations. That means more jobs. uh, And that means they're not going to the US or other parts of the world, which is exciting. Very exciting. Now, uh, remind me, Nav, how long were you a member of parliament in total? So I was elected in 2004, and then I lost in 2011. And as you mentioned, I was re-elected in 2015. So my complete tenure was 13 years um, as an elected official. That's a long time. And you were both in government and then opposition, and then back to government again. Yeah, I would say I, I had a, um, seen it all. I've seen it all. I've seen uh, Government benches, front benches, back benches, opposition bench, the virtual bench, you name it. I've seen it all. Uh, and just uh, an amazing journey um, and a very rewarding journey, as I say, to to be involved in, in government, particularly the last few years to deal with the pandemic and building up personal protective equipment capacity here in Canada uh, to developing industrial policy. It's been it's been very special. Yeah. What advice would you give to the private sector? 
in working with the government? I mean, I've given my advice in the past, but I'm wondering what your point of view is just in general, having been both in opposition and in government and, and having so many years in the House. I would say the challenges that we're dealing with in society and what governments are dealing with in the private sector. Uh, take, for example, the energy transition is a file that you and I talk often to our mm-hmm. clients about. Requires collaboration uh, in a partnership. And this is not about governments have to create uh, all the solutions or this is not about the private sector on its own uh, having to find all uh, the desired outcomes. This is about genuine public-private partnerships, collaboration, ways to work together. And I think um, you and I are in a unique position where we can bridge that world together and create opportunities. Yeah. Is there... Do you think that there's things that we couldn't do in government that we can do in private sector? Just out of curiosity, like what was your your tipping point when you realized, I want to go to the private sector because I can do this? Well, the governments are an amazing platform. Make no mistake. Uh, the resources that we have there, and you know this as well when you're in yeah. cabinet, the yeah. ability to set policy, the legislative agenda that you can pursue, uh, the impact you can have on an international stage is very impressive. I just think with the the private sector, the speed is the issue. Uh, I Mm -hmm. think governments take time to implement and design programs. Uh, I think in the private sector, uh, it's it's the strategies implemented in a more timely manner. And for me, that was important. It was time to not only just focus on pledges and promises uh, and ambition, but really to focus on on action. Yeah. So you wrote a really, um, I thought, interesting op-ed with uh, Elder Marquez, who we used to work with in the Trudeau government, on that kind of topic, which is trying to set out what is going to be needed for the innovation in the tech sector, especially in the clean tech sector coming. What prompted you to want to write the article? Um, You know, so Elder and I, as you you rightfully highlighted, worked together. Um, Early on in, in my capacity as a minister, he was instrumental setting up the innovation skills agenda, the new industrial policy that I allude to often. And we were talking about, uh, again, this broad challenge of getting to net zero. And in that conversation, we just uh, realized that it's it's really intense out there in terms of the global competition that exists, how other jurisdictions are stepping up or in a global race, and how this is a unique opportunity for Canada, particularly, again, as I said before, for the public and private sector to come together to really hone in on key technologies and drive, you know, meaningful outcomes to to reduce our carbon footprint. And so we wanted to put together a piece that spoke to those challenges and the opportunities as well. One thing you talk about in the piece is leadership um, and, and being brave. So expand on that a little bit for me. Well, you know, I think uh, when the government, for example, says that we want to get to net zero or they set new targets for 2030, as we saw in COP26, the, the challenge is that it's easy to do that. And even after all those pledges and promises, emissions are going to rise by 14% by 2030 compared to 2010 levels. So it requires real leadership in terms of now actually putting together that plan and executing it and betting on technologies. And so the focus on government is, look, they're going to be accused of picking winners and losers, but they have to determine which areas they want to compete in and how do they create conditions with the private sector to really scale those technologies if we're going to be able to reduce our carbon footprint. And, and the challenge is it's not, in the, it's not a, a, a small challenge either. The issue is in the trillions of dollars. Like if you look at from a global context, and I was mentioning the article, it's between 100 
to $150 trillion of investments that are going to be needed globally by 2050 to get to net zero. So it's also a great opportunity to generate uh, growth and to create jobs and to make sure that people coming out of the pandemic have hope. Yeah, it's really difficult to ensure that you're striking a balance in terms of what you can do in the government and what you need private sector to do. And I think um, one of the aspects of your of your portfolio wasn't just the innovation side or the industry side, it was the economic development side. Could I ask you just for a second to talk about how federal governments, yours and mine as well, approach economic development when it comes to geographies? Well, as you know, I was responsible for the regional development agencies. And so that included, you know, five of them that currently exist. And, you know, they're unique geographical considerations, historical considerations, and industries that have developed. And how do you, for me, the objective was we had this broad innovation and skills plan. How do you, in that broad framework, play to our local strengths? And so we not only put more resources in those regional development agencies to promote more invention and and development and deployment of technology, but we also complemented that with other programs like super clusters. Again, it was about the government using its convening power to bring large businesses and small businesses together to solve common problems, to create a platform to develop and co-develop technologies. Uh, and I think that takes time. I think the the challenge with regional development, uh, economic policies and innovation policies, it takes time for, for us to see the real benefits. It's not going to happen overnight. I am excited the fact that we're starting to turn the corner. If you look at the tech ecosystem in Canada, it's not only what's happening in in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, but it's happening in other parts of the country, which is really exciting, particularly with remote work. uh, And we're seeing with uh, where immigration patterns are going towards some of these smaller and mid-sized communities because of the affordability issue. Yeah, that's true. So that's our time nap. Can you believe it? How fast does that go by in, (laughs) in the 10 minutes that we have to talk? But I think one of the questions that I got, of course, when it was announced that you're coming to join us at CIBC was, well, how's that going to work? You know, a liberal and a conservative working together. <laughs> well, it works together just fine, doesn't it? I mean, although we haven't been able to sit in an office together for long periods of time, uh, it's not like we've recast the House of Commons within our own offices and we ask Roma Dubček to be the, uh, the chair, the speaker of the House the speaker, to keep us right. from arguing. Yeah. So why don't you, I mean, you and I have talked at this at length, actually, in terms of how uh, how we can actually provide uh, a really fulsome, I guess, piece of advice for clients now. You're absolutely right. I mean, we're in a very unique position where we can provide strategic advice and public policy insights and give that full spectrum. You know, really, when I joined cabinet, you had just left. Yeah, left, you booted so me you out, Nab. Po- you booted me out. <laughs> you took well, my job, I man. I'm not sure about that. I think the voters had something to say about that. It wasn't me alone. But yeah. look, I lost in 2011, so I've been yes. there as well. Yeah. And uh, so, as as you know, uh, there's yeah. uh, there's it is it, a function of our democracy. But That's the right. point I was making is that with your experiences in cabinet under Stephen Harper and myself yeah. under Justin Trudeau, and over the last decade plus. Uh, the insights that we have in terms of public policy, in terms of the strategy we can provide and the bipartisan approach we can bring to some of the issues is really exciting for our clients. Yeah. And it's no longer fighting about where we stand on issues. It's about identifying the issues and being able to provide the risk analysis to clients as to what could be the difficulties or what can be the opportunities. That's exactly it. And, and so it's really solution oriented and finding that common ground where 
we know that the the regardless of what the political ideologies we hold, we know that this is a legitimate problem that our clients are also facing. And what insights can we bring? What kind of strategic insights can we bring to a system in this journey? Yeah. And although we were both partisans, we were not known as being overtly partisan all the time and, <laughs> and we get along with everybody. So that's the that's the other key. Absolutely. Well, thanks now for joining me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to working with you on all of these larger files on energy transition and on clean tech and on everything that's going to be important to the world in the next 10 years. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much for having me, Lisa. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, if you have any questions or comments or even requests on topics to discuss, drop me a line at lisa.rate at cibc.com. Your interactions actually will make this better. I'm your host, Lisa Rate, and this has been The Rate Stuff. I'll talk to you next week. The materials disclosed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and subject to our code of conduct as well as IROC rules. The information and data contained herein has been obtained or derived from sources believed to be reliable without independent verification by CIBC Capital Markets and to the extent that such information and data is based on sources outside CIBC Capital Markets, we do not represent or warrant that any such information or data is accurate, adequate, or complete. Notwithstanding anything to the contrary herein, CIBC World Markets Inc. and or any affiliate thereof shall not assume any responsibility or liability of any nature in connection with any of the contents of this communication. This Communication is tailored for a particular audience, and accordingly, this message is intended for such specific audience only. Any dissemination, redistribution, or other use of this message or the market commentary contained herein by any recipient is unauthorized. This communication should not be construed as a research report. The services, securities, and investments discussed in this report may not be available to nor suitable for all investors. Nothing in this communication constitutes a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any specific investments discussed herein. Speakers on this podcast do not have any actual implied or apparent authority to act on behalf of any issuer mentioned in this podcast. The commentary and opinions expressed herein are solely those of the individual speakers, except where the author expressly states them to be the opinions of CIBC World Markets, Inc. The speakers may provide short-term trading views or ideas on issuers, securities, commodities, currencies, or other financial instruments, but investors should not expect continuing analysis, views, or discussion relating to those instruments discussed herein. Any information provided herein is not intended to represent an adequate basis for investors to make an informed investment decision and is subject to change without notice. CIBC Capital Markets is a trademark brand name under which Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, CIBC, its subsidiaries and affiliates provide products and services to our customers customers around the world. For more information about these legal entities, as well as the products and services offered by CIBC Capital Markets, please visit www.cibccm.com.